This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 21st, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The fight over critical race theory as applied to public schools is a great deal like other fights over values and identity in public school curriculum. A broad system of parental choice in education would do a lot to lower the temperature of that fight and others. Neil McCluskey directs Cato's Center for Educational Freedom. We talked about the fight now playing out. We have certainly seen... I think, uh, discussion about, we used to call it political correctness. Now we are giving it different names, maybe more specific to the particular thing we're talking about. But for decades now, we've seen discussions about what can we say? What can we not say? How do we understand the way power works in society, in government? We started talking about cancel culture. We started talking about white privilege and lots of different things. Now, most of that discussion was focused on higher education. But what we've seen in the last couple of years, maybe the last year and a half, uh, probably sparked by things like uh, the George Floyd murder, is K through 12 schools and school districts, but not just school districts, they're also private schools, uh, talking more about things like uh, white supremacy, like um, implicit bias, and uh, trying to come up with policies that would confront those things. And we've seen now a response to that because the idea that there is implicit bias, which means that we may not be biased consciously. We try hard maybe not to do that, but our subconscious instinctively makes us, you know, we see something and we have an immediate impression about it. The the worry about implicit bias is a white person might see an African-American person and, and subconsciously have a bad reaction. This is a controversial idea, but school districts are talking about it. And why is this important? Because controversial ideas lead to controversy. They make people angry. And what's particularly important to understand is there are good motives on both sides of these kinds of issues. If implicit bias is real and there's some evidence it is, then it's something we think we want to deal with and and get rid of it. If you think it's not real or it blames people who are actually innocent of what you're accusing them of, and there's certainly reason to believe that things like the implicit association test is not accurate, you say, I don't want that imposed on my kids. And so we're seeing things that have been part of societal societal debate for a long time now becoming part of K-12 through education, and people are forced to pay through for K-12 through education, and this is leading to conflicts around the country. Now, uh, there are multiple other characterizations of this this fight. Uh, Republicans are disproportionately likely to characterize this as an attempt at indoctrinating young people into a view of the world where absolutely everything is viewed through the lens of race. And there are arguments on the left, which is we have to be able to present basic history about Uh, the controversies of the day in American history and how significant those are and what the potential repercussions are today. And uh, now, more recently, I am hearing, we don't teach critical race theory in schools. What are you talking about? That's crazy. It's, it's, It's difficult to grasp, but we wouldn't want... It's a waste of young people's time to learn this stuff. You bring the other perspective, which is 
it doesn't really matter if parents are empowered to make the most decisive decisions on behalf of their own children's educations. Yeah. So what's important is these are important questions to discuss, to debate, and to freely discuss and to freely debate. The fundamental problem with K through 12 education, which is dominated by public schools, is public schooling inherently means you're not free about these things. If you're, you know, if a majority of people in your school district or a politically powerful minority say, no, we're not going to discuss the possibility of implicit bias, and you think it's important your kids learn implicit bias, you're stuck. And if you want to make sure they learn that, then you have to go to political war with people who disagree with you. Uh, that, first of all, is problematic because in a free society, we shouldn't have ideas imposed or kept away from people by government. But it's also bad because it takes disagreements and makes them much more uh, conflictual, much more wrenching, and tends to tear people apart even more than they are already separated. From a public policy perspective, from an education policy perspective, the right way to deal with controversial issues is to let people choose schools based on what is consistent with their values, what they think is important for their kids to learn. And then you don't have to enter these conflicts that tear people apart. And you don't have this worry, this concern that's totally legitimate, that somebody is going to impose ideas you think are wrong on your kids. It's also important to note that, you know, I follow this debate pretty closely. Um, I run the public schooling battle map, which I always want to mention, and this is right in there. I mean, it is probably the most prominent values and identity-based conflict in public schooling and public education we have. So I follow this closely. I followed the Common Core debate very closely. Common Core was a set of national standards that the federal government coerced states to adopt by offering them money and regulatory relief. And one thing I've noticed in both debates is there's massive disinformation I shouldn't say massive. There is misinformation on both sides. And you have people on both sides accusing people on the other side of misinformation. In part, this is a function of this is a political battle. And people think that they can pull out all the stops to win in a political battle, especially if it's something they think is important. Um, but we need to separate this from public schooling, lower the heat on it. And then when people engage in the battle, it would be ideal if we didn't spend most of the time saying, well, the other side is just lying to you or they're mean or they're political opportunists or they are trying to indoctrinate your kids or saying all these sort of excessive things that aren't true. And we see this, or at least I feel I've seen it in a lot of media coverage of critical race theory. And that media coverage then fails to look at root causes of these sorts of debates. I can't find anybody outside of maybe people at Reason Magazine, who have written about, actually, this is a public schooling problem as much as anything else. It forces conflict, and that conflict forces people to be mean to each other and to say things often that aren't true or are pretty close to not true. And I would really like to see some journalists say, hey, let's look at why it's become so heated and not just with a simple narrative of, ah, those people are just awful who disagree with me or disagree with these other people. And so it's really a problem of mean people, not a system that forces us to be mean. Let me give you the response to that, uh, which is from Republicans with the flag lapel pins waving to the crowd. 
we need to give our young people a reverence for the founding era. And while we did have these uh, historical travesties like slavery and uh, Jim Crow and the mistreatment of uh, minorities over time, we're better today and we need, we've const- we're constantly improving and we need, that needs to be the shared experience that young people uh, believe about the world. And the flip side of that would be we, need, we have never reckoned with uh, slavery and its, its ill effects, and that should be the shared common experience that young people have in schools. Yeah, what I would like is for people to hear those arguments and to be under and to think about and to understand how reasonable people could take both sides. So you can you know you can understand the uh, point of view of the you know the Republican with the well-coiffed hair and the lapel pin because there is a whole lot of evidence that the United States has made a lot of progress on racial justice uh, and, and integration of lots of different people into society. You can look at uh, surveys that go back to the 40s and 50s that show whether or not people approve of interracial marriage or kids uh, going to school together. And it's now pretty much unanimous support for those things where, you know, several decades ago, you found very low levels of support for it. And so it's certainly true that the country has made progress. And and you can understand why people would say, you know, what we really want to be is colorblind, to not talk about race, to see people as individuals. Um, And why, you know, individual liberty is important and to see why. Uh, you know, the good things about the country, what the country is based on, why the Constitution's good, the Declaration of Independence. Reasonable people can want those things. What I would then like those Republicans to do is look at the folks who are in favor of you know, critical race theory or at least things that fall under it and say, you know, I can see why reasonable people want that too. I can certainly understand there's actually research to show that we have implicit bias. We have uh, implicit associations that um, we want to, you know, make sure we know about and we don't act on. You can look at the murder of George Floyd and you can certainly understand why people say, you know, we still have a ways to go in terms of a truly just uh, system of justice justice in this country. So you want to be able to see where different people can come up. Good people can come out on different sides of an issue. Then you also need to understand that some of these things are kind of mutually exclusive. You know, if you think, and there's evidence to support this, that there is very considerable systemic racism, and then you have someone else who says, no, there isn't. They can't both have equal say in the school. You can't say, You can't have the school say there is systemic racism and also there is not systemic racism. And so the school system, the public schools, force these decent, good people who have different views of things that are rational. They force them to fight who's going to be supreme over what the kids learn. We want to move away from that in terms of education policy. And I think just in terms of how we deal with each other as a society and politically, our first question should always be, how could a decent person have an opinion that's different from mine? And once you start to look at it, it's usually not hard to say, you know, I disagree with that person. But what they're saying, a good, decent person could reach that conclusion. And then we can maybe move away from the demonization that is powerful politically, but it's so poisonous socially. So uh, school choice 
This is 2021. This is a big year for school choice and uh, perhaps not surprisingly with this pandemic and uh, fights over race uh, and and how it is presented in schools. Um, it seems like this is an opportunity for both sides of this particular debate to take that issue entirely off the table. Oh, right. So uh, we're definitely having a moment, you might say, for school choice. The moment for school choice, I don't think it's driven by critical race theory. It's been driven by people dissatisfied with how their school district has dealt with COVID-19. And it may not even be that they're dissatisfied and that they think their school district was being cruel or or you know, thoughtless by maybe offering only online education. But they've at least come to the realization one system of schools cannot serve diverse people equally. It may have been good for some kids to be online. They may have learned well online. They may have been in a high-risk situation for getting COVID. They may have lived with grandparents who were at high risk. But there were also families where the kids needed to be in person where online education just wasn't working, who might have been low risk for COVID. And they've come to realize, look, a single system can't treat all those people equally. It's not because they're mean. It's that's just reality. We Diverse people need different things. And one system cannot easily provide those different things. But hopefully now people have started to realize that problem. And they've also realized, you know, that actually applies beyond just a pandemic. It applies to ideas, to thoughts, to values. And we should move to a system where diverse, with people with diverse values can get what they want and not have to try and impose it on other people to do so, which is what public schooling does. And I'm hopeful about that. Uh, certainly, people have started to say, well, you know, critical race theory, that debate in schools has been tied into people who are already dissatisfied with their public schools because of COVID, trying to, you know, maybe they say some people are using it as a wedge, but it could also be people making that realization that, oh, look, we do need different things. Let's enable people to get different things. Um, and so I'm pretty hopeful that the school choice movement is it's certainly making a lot of progress. We've seen many states uh, expand school choice, of course, uh, West Virginia and Kentucky have new school choice programs. Um, and at the very least, it's an opening to talk about the simple reality of diverse people needing diverse options. And I hope that folks will put aside the desire that they often have to win politically and say, let's take political combat off the table in education. Let's go to school choice. Often I don't see that, and there, you know, there are people. Just as I say, we need to understand why the other side may think things. There are people who think, well, you've got to have everybody in public schools because, you know, like you mentioned in your previous question, they think everybody has to learn certain things and will require it. I don't think those are bad people. I think we need to discuss with them why, in the end, what they want doesn't work, and there's plenty of evidence it doesn't. Um, but I do think that. COVID-19 has opened a lot of people's minds to the need for diverse options when you have diverse people. Neil McCluskey directs the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.